Well, find Matthew chapter 1 in your copy of the Scripture. Matthew chapter 1. And what I want us to do tonight is look at the forgotten figure of Christmas. Somebody that we almost never talk about at Christmas. Let me kind of give you a preview of what's coming up on Wednesday nights. Um, Of course, next week is Christmas. We won't meet. You're welcome to be in here next (laughs) Wednesday if you want to. Uh, Just shut off the lights and the heat when you leave. But... And then the week after that's New Year's Day, so in three weeks, we're just going to keep going, the Lord willing, with Exodus. We finished Genesis, we'll keep going with Exodus. I'm starting in January on Sunday mornings a series on the Ten Commandments. And we'll cover that beginning January 1st. And so on Wednesday nights when we get up through chapter 19, we'll kind of call it quits then. Because, again, on Sunday morning, we'll be in the Ten Commandments. So I won't try to do both. And then the latter chapters of Exodus are talking so much about the furnishings of the tabernacle and what color and dimensions and all that's to be. So I'll probably leave you with a lot of that on your own. Um, But anyway, we'll cover the first 19 chapters in Genesis on Wednesday nights. So that kind of tells you where we'll be headed from from here. Well, find uh, uh, Matthew again, Matthew chapter 1, and pick up reading with me in verse 18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Do you like any of the Peanuts cartoons? In one of those cartoons, Linus was telling two little guys the Christmas story. And he was explaining about all the different figures involved in the Christmas story and all the characters that were there at the manger. And he spoke about the wise men and how they had followed the star. They saw the star in the sky and followed the star until it stopped over the place where Jesus was. Well, at the mention of star, those two little boys perked up Stars? Who were they? What were their names? They were thinking of Hollywood stars. You know, that's how we are. 
When we talk about Christmas, we sometimes look for the stars, the big names, right? And that's okay. I mean, we talk about Mary and Jesus, right? The big names in the Christmas story. Sometimes we don't talk about some of the other names. We don't speak much about Joseph, do we? He's sort of the forgotten figure in the Christmas story. He's overlooked a lot. He's sort of like the groom at a modern day wedding. Do you go to a wedding and pay much attention to the groom at all? No. He's just sort of there as the window dressing, right? <laughs> he just stands down front and the bride comes in and everybody turns and looks at the bride and stands up and everybody talks about how beautiful the bride is. She's the focus at the wedding. And the groom just doesn't get much press at all. Well, that's sort of how Joseph is. Do you realize that Joseph never speaks in the Bible now did he speak certainly but what I mean by he never speaks in the Bible is we have no recorded words of Joseph whatsoever in the Bible you don't hear too many sermons on Joseph either do you in fact it's probably been about 20 years since I preached a sermon on Joseph and talked about Joseph at all in the uh, in the Christmas story. Well, what do we know about Joseph? Uh, you could write down, first of all, he was a son of David. He was in the royal line of David. He was a humble man, a laborer, and I'll talk more about that in a moment. But while a humble man and while he was a common laborer, he was also in the royal line. His family belonged to Bethlehem, David's city. Remember what we looked at Sunday, this past Sunday? Why did Mary and Joseph go down to Bethlehem, Ephratah? Because it's the city of David. And what did Luke 2 tell us? That Joseph was of the lineage of David. So a royal line. He was a carpenter by trade. He was faithful in his religious duties. In Matthew 1.19, he is referred to as being a righteous man. He's religious. He's righteous. In Luke chapter 2, it says, When the days for their purification to the law of Moses were completed, they brought him, that is Jesus, to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every firstborn male that opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what was said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And then in verse 41 and 42 of Luke 2, it says now, his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of Passover. And when he became 12, they went up there according to the custom of the feast. And so what I'm, what I'm saying there is, Joseph was a religious man and a righteous man. He observed all of the laws and all of the ceremonies 
that the faithful Jews would observe at the time. Now, he apparently died somewhere between when Jesus was 12 years of age and when Jesus began his public ministry at approximately 30 years of age. You see, when they took Jesus to the temple at age 12 and then left without Jesus and had to return looking for him, after that, we never read of Joseph again. When Jesus began his public ministry, we see references to Mary and to Jesus' siblings, but we're not told about Joseph. So what's the assumption? The assumption is he's gone. He's died. At the crucifixion, Jesus looked at Mary and at John. And what did he tell John? He said, Behold your mother, and mother, behold your son. And he entrusted the care of Mary over to the beloved disciple John. What's the implication there? Again, Joseph must be dead because there would be no reason to do that if Joseph were still alive. Those are just some of the facts that we know about Joseph. Now, Matthew 1.18 says that Joseph and Mary were betrothed. Now, let's understand a little bit about the Jewish betrothal. A Hebrew marriage involved two stages. That the kedushin was the first stage, the betrothal. The way we would spell it in English would be K-I-D-D-U-S-H-I-N, kedushin. And then the hupah, H-U-P-P-A-H. That would be the marriage ceremony. Now, the marriage was almost always prearranged by parents, often with little or no input from the children. Now, by the way, that's still done in much of the world today. The parents arrange the marriages. And in parts of the world where that's done, the divorce rates are almost nil. Now, when the couple was near Marian age, a contract was made and sealed by the pay, payment of the mohar, M-O-H-A-R, the dowry, which was paid either by the groom or the groom's family to the bride's father. This would help to compensate the father of the bride for his, uh, uh, expenses associated with the marriage, and it was also sort of an insurance for the bride if the groom decided to put the bride away. Now, once the contract was made and the dowry was paid and they entered into the betrothal, everything was binding. The only way you could get out of a betrothal was through a legal divorce. It may be up to a year before the actual wedding ceremony would take place. The wife-to-be would sometimes go and live with her espoused husband's family. 
Now, there would be no physical union yet, nothing like that. The consummation of the marriage didn't take place until after the marriage ceremony itself. But sometimes she would live with her husband's family for up to a year. During that time, she would get to know her husband's family, and they would get to know her. In other instances, however, there was virtually no contact between the betrothed couple in rare cases. Now, Mary and Joseph, somewhere in between probably. Now, as the story reads, one gets the impression that they're already very fond of one another and the relationship is blooming. Now, during the betrothal, Mary has an angelic visitor and apparently leaves immediately from what Luke implies and she goes to spend three months with who? Elizabeth, her cousin Elizabeth. And then when she goes back, she has some news for Joseph, right? First thing I want you to see tonight is Joseph's disappointment. It says, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found to be a child from the Holy Spirit and her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Now what we have here is a love story. It's not a cheap, immoral love story like you can watch today on television. It's nothing like that. Here's a true biblical love story. Joseph was an eligible bachelor in Nazareth. He's probably a strong man because what is he by trade? He's a carpenter. Now the Greek word implies that he not only worked with wood, but the Greek word used to describe Joseph is that he's primarily a stone cutter, uh, a craftsman in stone. Who's been to Israel today? Anybody? You have? Any others? What do you see all over Israel? Stones. I've never seen so many rocks in all of my life as you will. <laughs> oh, no. I, I tell you, you cannot, if you ever get to travel to Israel, what, what you're going to be astounded by is the amount of rock. You know, there's an old Jewish saying about when God was creating the world and sending out angels to do special deliveries, different items, that the angels carrying the bag of rocks tripped and stumbled and dumped all their rocks out in Israel. There's a joke about that, an Israeli joke about that. Rocks everywhere they would build their houses out of it and then they would have enough they'd put a big fenced in area all around their property rocks everywhere and so Joseph in addition to being a carpenter he's a stone craftsman Mary's a young woman 
godly young woman. In Luke 1, the angel Gabriel tells Mary that she is a favored one. She's found favor with God. She must have been a very devout young woman. And although we're not told all the details about this couple during their engagement or while they were betrothed, this must have been a very tender and pure love story. The Bible says one of the things that's a wonder to behold is the way of a man with his maid. It wasn't long before they fell in love. Mary is thrilled. Her wedding day is coming. She's probably picking out things for her wedding. She's picking out things for her new home. She's so excited. She's probably laughing with family and friends. Preparations are being made. Joseph is thrilled. Perhaps he's dreaming about the home he's going to build for him, planning that home. All of their dreams are coming true. You can almost hear Joseph whistling as he works, right? He's happy. He's a young man in love. But all of a sudden, things change. Mary visits her relative by the name of Elizabeth. Luke chapter 1 says, Now at this time Mary arose and went in a hurry to the hill country, to the city of Judah, and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she cried out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And now has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me. For behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. When she gets back, I can only imagine that she must have said something like, Joseph... We've got to talk. And Joseph finds out that Mary is expecting. Think of the shock. Think of the disappointment. Must have had a sick feeling come over him. How could this happen? Mary, his fiancée, is expecting. How could she have done this? Their relationship had been so pure, so honorable... And now she's expecting. How could she have been unfaithful to him? And so all of his dreams dissolve into disappointment. That's probably what's in the forefront of his mind. He is a man in disappointment. Maybe you've been there before. Surely you have. Over something. When something in life just didn't turn out right. And you were disappointed. Joseph was that way. Probably wondering what's everybody going to think. What's my family going to think? What should I do? Now on the one hand, what could he have done? According to the law, what could he have done? He could have had her stoned. That, uh, with all those rocks, that's right. <laughs> On the other hand, he loved Mary. 
How could he do that to her? And so he makes the decision. He's not going to make a public example out of her. He's not going to have her put to death. He's going to spare her. He's going to put her away quietly. That way she will be okay. She won't be turned into a public spectacle. And she can get on with her life. And he can get on with his life. Now what's that tell you about Joseph? He what? Man of integrity. An honorable man. He cared about her. He cared deeply about her. Again, according to Deuteronomy, he could have had her stoned. He could have hauled her into the public square and they would have stoned her to death beginning with the community leaders first and him. Somebody of lesser wisdom probably would have done that. Yes? think probably he didn't believe her initially until we, we're going to read something else in the story, but she probably does tell him, hey, I've conceived by the Holy Spirit, and what's he saying? Yeah, right. Who's ever known anything like that happening before? Sure, right? Joseph didn't do that. I want you to see, secondly, though, Joseph's dream, following up with what Richard's saying there. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. You know, maybe he cried himself to sleep that night. He's heartbroken, drifts off to sleep, and God appears to him. You know, in the book of Hebrews, chapter 1, verse 1, it says, God spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets and in many portions and in many ways. You read your Old Testament and what some of the ways that God spoke to people through? Spoke to people through dreams. Should we pursue that today? No, because we have the Word of God. We have the canon of Scripture. But Joseph has a dream and... The angel tells him what? Don't fear. What is in Mary's womb has been conceived by the Holy Spirit. She's not been unfaithful to you, Joseph. She has been specially chosen by God. And you've been chosen too. And so he hears this message from the angel. Folks, all babies are miracles, right? But boy, this baby really is a miracle. Conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of a virgin. Why is the virgin birth important? So he wouldn't have Adam's nature. And he'd be fully God and fully man. Isaiah 7, 14 prophesied. 
that the Messiah would be born of a virgin. Well, the angel tells Joseph what he's to name this child. He's to name him Jesus. Common name at the time. It's the New Testament form of the Old Testament name what? Joshua. Every Jewish mother wished for her son to be a Joshua, a savior, a deliverer. And so it was a fairly common name. Now, after the birth of Jesus, it's no longer common because his name is above every name. And though in some cultures you still find the name Jesus, you don't hear it that much because people reserve this name for Jesus the Savior and Lord. He shall say, what, what's the angel say? Name him Jesus. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. Folks, that's the good news of Christmas, right? Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who's Christ the Lord. God is giving a child who will be a deliverer a savior and and we're told you he was told you shall also call his name what Emmanuel God with us the transcendent God who is other than us has come close to us Emmanuel God with us the word became flesh and dwelt among us what a message what a message the holidays can be lonely for a lot of people, but you're not alone. And the message of good news to the world, a Savior who forgives from sin. The message that we proclaim to the world that there is a way, there's one way to be reconciled to a holy God. There's one way to have peace with God. And that's through His Son, Joseph. Uh, through His Son, Jesus. I was getting ahead of myself. Third, Joseph's decision. Joseph's decision. Joseph wakes up and what's he do? What's he do? When Joseph woke from sleep, what's verse 24 say? He did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. He woke up, he obeyed God, he took God at his word. Not everybody would understand because not everybody would believe. Some people would whisper behind his back. Some would always wonder. Some would always talk. Some would always gossip. But Joseph obeyed God. And he married Mary. Folks, when Herod was searching for the baby Jesus and God said to him, go down to Egypt, what did Joseph do? He took Mary and the baby down to Egypt. When Herod died and they were going back to Israel and he found out that Herod's son was on the throne, God said, go to Nazareth 
because he shall be called a Nazarene, again, what did Joseph do? He took him to Nazareth. He obeyed God. Every step of the way in this story, what did Joseph do? He listened to God. He obeyed God. You know, in Hebrews 11, Hebrews 11 is called the faith chapter. You know, the roll call of faith. And it talks about all these people there, whether Abraham or Moses or Daniel or all these characters in the Old Testament who listened to God and obeyed God. They walked by faith. Joseph could be in that chapter. He's not in that chapter, but Joseph could be. Because every time you encounter Joseph in the Word of God, right here, the few times that we do read about him, he listens to God, he takes God at his word, he obeys, he lives by faith. He's a wise man who waited on God and was compassionate. And think about this irony. He lovingly provided a home for Jesus. And what has Jesus in turn done for Joseph? Lovingly provided a home for him. In my father's house are many mansions. This Christmas, think about yourself. What if God gave you an impossible assignment from man's point of view? Would you obey God? without seeing all the evidence. I mean, it's never happened this way before as it is happening right here. And yet they obeyed God without seeing the outcome of everything. Would you? Would you obey God? Would you walk by faith? Also, in the Christmas story, when you look at some of the figures like Joseph, it reminds me of what Paul says to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 1, that God chooses common people. God chooses the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. Not everybody is the superstars. Not everybody's the Moses or the Abraham. Here's Joseph, a carpenter, a stonemason, an everyday common sort of fella. And yet he turns out to be such an important figure in Bible history. God uses common people. Common people who believe Him and obey Him and walk by faith. And that's encouraging, right? I remember one time Dr. Adrian Rogers asked his congregation, how many of you out there were straight-A students? Raise your hands. How many were voted most likely to succeed? Raise your hands. How many were the homecoming queen? Raise your hands. How many were the football stars? Raise your hands. And after a few people through the congregation raised their hands, he said, well, I've got good news for you. 
God can use you too. He may just have to try a little bit harder. Because God chooses the ordinary people. Joseph is an ordinary man. And again, God used him. Don't let him be a forgotten figure in the Christmas story. The way he desired to do Mary, to be fair to her, to be compassionate toward her, the way he obeyed what God told him in the dream to do, he's an example to us. He doesn't deserve to be a forgotten figure. Let's not forget him. Any comments in closing? When you think of the physical constitution that people back then must have had, you know? Because they didn't have all the power stuff we have today. What they did, they did out of their physical strength, right? Uh, Just probably such a better constitution physically than we have today. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because bandits were... <laughs> Richard? Oh, yes. Um, I mean, the, the biblical betrothal, again, it was, it was only dissolved through a legal divorce. Even though they weren't married yet and the marriage wasn't consummated, still you could, you could only dissolve it through a divorce. And so, yes, it was viewed much stronger than we view engagement today. In, in fact, their betrothal was viewed stronger than most people in America today view marriage. Sad to say. We've ended a little bit early tonight. Uh, Just a little handout I gave you a few years ago on Mary. You know, as we talk about Joseph and Mary, most of the world, because keep in mind, out of Christians, most of the world is what? What, when, When you talk about Christianity, what group do they belong to? Roman Catholicism. Okay, a very different view of Mary and Joseph. And their view, I believe, shows the danger when you go outside biblical accounts. When you leave the scripture behind and rely on extra biblical sources, you can end up just about anywhere, right? And I think that's what they've done with Mary. So what does most of the world, most of the Christians of the world, what do they believe about Mary? Do you know? Do you remember? She's sinless. 
and and uh, they refer to that as the what? Immaculate conception of Mary that that she was born sinless, and they believe that was necessary for her to be quote unquote mother of God. Okay. They and they base much of this information off of a non-canonical gospel, the Gospel of James, probably dated somewhere in the mid-2nd century. A non-canonical gospel, Gospel of James. So Mary was, they believe she was uh, immaculately conceived, taken to the temple as a small girl, and raised as a temple virgin. And when the temple elders were looking for somebody to marry her, they wanted to keep her a virgin. And so they believed that Joseph was an older man, a much older man, had already been married, the, the children that we believe that Mary and Joseph went on to have after the birth of Jesus, they say those are children of Joseph from a previous marriage. And the temple elders finally convinced him to marry Mary because he was an older man. They said, you, don't, you probably don't care that much about intimate relations anymore. So will you marry this young girl and keep her a virgin? And so that's what Joseph finally, reluctantly agreed to do. And then when Mary delivered Jesus, uh, that Salome went and examined Mary because they said that uh, though she had delivered a baby, she was, they believe in the what? The perpetual virginity of Mary. Of Mary. Salome examined her and found that her anatomy was such that here's still a, a pure virgin that's had a child. And her body's not been affected in any, any way because they believe that Jesus passed through the walls of the womb. And what they, what they defend in that, they say, well, look at, look at the resurrection of Jesus when he appeared to the disciples in the upper room. That he apparently didn't come through a, a door. He suddenly appeared. So if he suddenly appeared in the upper room, why is it so hard, they say, to believe that Jesus just sort of passed through the walls of her womb and was there without Mary's body being affected in any of the normal ways of birth. And so they hold a, her, her immaculate conception that she too was sinless, the mother of God, and the perpetual virginity of Mary, and that as such, she's the co-redemptress with Christ. 
that as Christ sits at the right hand of the Father to make intercession for us, she sits at the right hand of Jesus. So they pray to her so that she'll pray to her son so that he in turn will pray to the Father. And she's our co-redemptress. That's... Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Again, to me, it's a testimony of what happens when you venture beyond what the Scripture says. But that's what, much, that's what most of the world believes about Mary and about Joseph. Uh-huh. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. For his mother, yes. Oh, well, just a little bit of tidbit of information. I wanted to, as we're talking about Mary and Joseph tonight, I wanted you to know what most of the Christian world believes about Joseph and Mary. And certainly not what we believe. Joe? Correct. According to them, Mary did not have any more children. And never had relation, sexual relations. Right. Yeah. And the scripture indicates that after Jesus was born, they, they did have normal relations. Mm-hmm. So again, they're basing this on a non-canonical gospel. The uh, gospel of James. Dated probably from somewhere around 150 A.D. Right. Mm. Well, the, I think the gospel accounts themselves blow it out of the water, blow the Roman Catholic doctrine of Mary out of the water. Amen. Amen. That's right. Yep. And. Turn to the Scripture and Scripture alone for our doctrine and practice.